as we hold up our Bibles before the Lord. You know, your words shape your life, and Jesus taught us to use our words, so let's use them. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible, so I make this as a confession that I will meditate therein both day and night on a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. And because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch, everything I touch will turn to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this, another opportunity to meditate your word. Your word, O oh God, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask you, Father, for revelation knowledge to flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. We pray over our technology for those that are watching now and later online that everything will go smoothly, that there will be no distractions or failures in service. Father, our hearts are open to be better in our lives, in our relationships. And we're gathered today around your word asking you for help. Help us to be better at communicating through these words. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me if you would once again to the book of Genesis chapter 11, verse number 1 through 9. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, and it says, At one time, all the people of the world, can you imagine, spoke the same language, and not only that, they used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia, and they settled there. They began saying to one another, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. That was a great idea. In the region, bricks were used instead of stone. Tar was used instead of mortar. And then they said, come let us build a great city for ourselves and a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower that the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. They all have, they all speak the same language. After this, watch these words, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages so that they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them over all the world, and then they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages in this way. He scattered them all over the world. Uh, How many of you all have been enjoying this uh, study on understanding Babel? 
I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the greatest series of messages that we've ever experienced because it is right where we live. The Bible tells us the story of Babel here in Genesis chapter 11, but this explains why people go in separate directions. This explains why divorce happens. They start out to build, they start out to do, but they end up going in different directions, as the scripture said, because they don't understand each other. In marriage, in pre-marriage counseling sessions, I've been counseling for uh, over 20 years, I focus primarily on understanding Babel. Um, I focus primarily on communication. And I've experienced um, that it's, it's, it's the communication that's the primary problem. Maybe something happens, but it's how we communicate about what happens that makes all the difference in the world. In this series, we're taking our communication to the next level in every relationship in our lives. We're going to learn three things. We're going to learn how to listen on three dimensions. We're going to learn the rules of engagement and communication. And we're going to learn communication with love and respect. We looked last week and we talked about making it easy for people to talk to you. I, um, I said, and I, I, I mean this with all my heart, um, I want to be able to talk to my wife about anything. I don't want it to be easier for me to talk to my mother or my brother or my father than it is my wife. I don't want it. I want to I want to be the easiest person on planet Earth for my wife to be able to talk. I don't want it to be I don't want for her for it to be hard to talk to me. That she can more easily talk to her mom or her friends or her siblings or sister than it is to talk to me. So last week we talked about our effort in becoming better at communication to make it easy for people in your life to talk to you. And we talked from that. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But I can tell you for this week, one thing for sure is that being contentious is the opposite of making it easy for people to talk to you. So I want to spend the first part, before we get into rule number two of engagement and communication, I want to talk about this word or talk about being contentious. Because we want it, we want it to be easy for people to talk to us, but being contentious is the opposite of making it easy. I thought this was really cool. If you look up the word communication in Strong's uh, concordance of the Bible, you'll find that the word communication is in Different verses of Scripture six times, four in the Old Testament, two in the New Testament, and I read those to you. Uh, check that. Two are in the Old Testament and four are in the New Testament. Amen. And we looked at all four in the New Testament. What I thought was uniquely interesting, I think it dawned on me today, is that when you look up the word contentious, in the Strong's Concordance, you'll find that the word contentious is used six times in the Bible, five times in the Old Testament, and one time in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 16, it says, 
It says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. So the first thing I want you to notice is that the Bible talks about people being contentious. And not only the Bible, but in the New Testament, Paul writing to the church, just like as I'm a pastor, I'm talking to you. He says, if there's anybody in the church, believers, Christians, who seem to be contentious, and then he says, we have no such custom, nor do the churches. To help that make a little bit better sense, um, if you can give me a little more mic, I apologize. The New Living Translation says, but if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, neither do, God, neither do God's other churches. So notice Paul describes, or this word here is described, as people who want to argue about something, or people who will or would argue about something. And he says, you know, if a person wants to argue about it, I really don't have much more to say about it. I'm not going to argue about it. Let me just say that we don't have anything else to give you uh, or to say, uh, and neither do the other churches. This is just the way that it is. So I want to talk to you about being contentious. Because the opposite of making it easy for those in your life to communicate is being contentious. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Stan? In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 21, it says, As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So here's one of those five verses of Scripture. And the first thing that we see from this is that uh, you know, like charcoal to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man. Men can be contentious. You know, men can be argumentative. And I don't want you to be that guy. Okay? Uh, I like to smoke meats. Got a, you all actually, for one of my birthdays, bought me an amazing smoker. Um, just huge. Really, really, really nice. Solid, you know, welded and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I like to smoke meats. I learned over a time. A guy from Texas taught me. I'm from Detroit, so didn't even know what a smoke box was when I got down here. And uh, But one thing I know for sure is that you need to keep that fire. You know, you want to keep it just nice at a level temperature for 12 hours while you're smoking that brisket. And sometimes when those coals die out, if you don't get it quick enough, you'll end up having the, you know, a, a different variance of temperature. You need to keep it steady. So every now and then you'll need to add some charcoal to the burning coals to maintain the temperature or to keep the fire burning. Also, uh, you know, you need to add wood to the fire. And you know, when you add wood to the fire, the fire increases. And the Bible says that's what it's like with a, con- uh, a contentious man. It's like adding wood to the fire. That person comes to you to talk to you about something and you're contentious. They're trying to have a conversation and you're contentious. You just are adding wood and charcoal to the fire. Woo, it's quiet in this church today. Proverbs chapter 13, let's go on, make some ground here. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 10, in the King James Version, it tells us where this comes from. 
He says, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I also like how the New King James Version of the Bible uh, says, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So notice, only by pride... You know, uh, uh, I don't like MMA fighting. It it just looks too rough, you know, but I do like boxing. I'm not like a boxing fan, but I'll watch a boxing match. But whether it's the MMA that you like or whether it's, you know, heavyweight or lightweight boxing, these individuals are contending for that title. And what I've seen in life and work and relationships and marriage and pre-marriage that oftentimes there's a contention. And in some cases, it's like the heavyweight champion. Uh, you, you know, you're contending for the heavyweight championship of the world. Now, notice what the Bible says, though, is that only by pride. You cannot have two people take, you know, they say it takes two to tango. Come on, at least somebody say amen. It takes two to tango. You can't argue with yourself. Right? <laughs> unless, unless, you know, we, anyway. Um, so the Bible tells us very clearly that the only way you can have two people contending for something is that pride in him or pride in them. Because the only way you're going to have a contention is by pride. And one thing I've seen in my lifetime is that if you want to know what's the root cause of divorce, it's pride. It's when that person gets to the place where they're done. They don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. And it's about me. And at that point is when you see the divide. Pride is at the root of any separation between family, friends, Loved ones, spouses, boyfriend and girlfriend, and etc. Amen. So if you if you've seen that, uh, oh, let me stay on track. So in Proverbs chapter thirteen, verse ten, in New King New King James, it says, "By pride comes nothing but strife." What I thought was unique is instead of using the word contentious, he uses the word strife. I looked up this word strife, and I'm just I'm amazed at its definition. I have a basic idea of what strife is. But when I looked at it, it explains so much about us in life and in relationships. The word strife means angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues. Look at me for a moment. When you are striving with somebody, it's because you disagree. And remember what it was that caused the the people at Babel to go in different direction. They didn't understand each other anymore. They agreed at one point because they had the same language. They were using the same words. They agreed that we're going to build a tower and we're going to build a city. But because they couldn't understand one another, they disagreed with one another. One went one way and the other went the other. So strife is what you you could define as angry or bitter disagreement. Keep that word angry in in mind because in rule number two for engagements, we're going to deal with the subject of anger. 
angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues or conflict. Oh, one, defi- one dictionary defines strife as a quarrel, a struggle, or a class. I don't want you to raise your hand, but have you ever been there where you've been struggling with somebody in a conversation? Where it's hard for you to get out what you're trying to say? Where it's hard for you to communicate to them? Where it's just a struggle to talk to that person about this particular issue? That every time me and my wife talk about this or every time me and my boss talk about that, you know, the, the, the conversation just goes south. If that's you, I want to help you because you can make it easier for people to talk to you. It's a struggle. Somebody say it's a struggle. Oh, I really like this. And this is an archaic definition of the word strife. It means strenuous effort. Somebody say strenuous effort. <laughs> you know, some conversation, even, you know, with your parents, maybe you got older parents or maybe you're a teenager or a young adult and you got, you know, parents that you and it's a strenuous effort. Uh, and this one, another di- uh, dictionary defined it as violent or angry disagreement. And in many instances, maybe something happened that warrants the anger. But when you strive with someone it can eventually become violent. And I'm sure there are many men and women in prison that didn't expect to be there. But something happened, and in the communication about it, things went, went left. And it got violent. Strife is the act or state of fighting. And arguing, going back and forth, trading blows, tit for tat. Here's another, and this is the last. Strife is a heated conflict or disagreement. And it can be even violent. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you could feel your ears get hot? Now, if I was a different complexion, I could imagine my ears would get red. Have you ever walked into a room, maybe, you know, you didn't know what was going on before, didn't hear anything, but you walked into the room and it was just like something. Y'all okay? Oh, y'all quiet to me. Things got heated and it's strived. Now, Now, the only way, somebody say only way, the only way that happens is pride. And I'm going to give you. Uh, a way out to show you that there's a different way. You can humble yourself and approach communication and conversations differently to the point where you can talk to your loved one about anything. Um, I share it with you all that um, I want to be able to talk to my bi- wife about anything. Um, uh, years and years ago, uh, the enemy would come against me and tempt me in one particular area. And um, I shared last week that before we got married in premarital counseling, um, I ask her questions like, you know, what if we were in this scenario and this happened? You know, would you explode and go off? Would you act like you didn't see anything and just kind of, you know, smolder and hurt and, you know, feel some kind of way? Would you, you know, uh, sit down and talk about it or, you know, would you participate in it? You know, and but it, it opened up a door for us to talk. But in it, it also gave me the assurance that in marriage, That if the enemy were to come against me and tempt me in an area, that I could turn to her and say, babe, I'm struggling in this area. 
with the hopes that we can work on this together. That's a beautiful and intimate relationship. There ought to be that person in your life that you can talk to them about anything. And if you're married, that person is your spouse. Should be. Amen? Now, if you are in a dating relationship and y'all are arguing already, then you really need to pay attention to this message. Because love is blind, but marriage is an eye opener. <laughs> if, if, I'm serious, if you're out dating and it's a struggle, you know, to talk to this person about this and talk to this person about that, and then you bind your life for the rest of your life to this person, not intending ever to get a divorce, you need help. And I'm helping you today. I'm going to give you some good words here that that can change your life. All right, so let's talk about it. So remember, the goal is to make it easy for people to talk to you by being a great listener, but also by how you respond. Remember, I said to you that Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you're not able to bear it right now. In other words, you wouldn't respond the right way. Or you wouldn't receive it the right way. So remember, the goal is to make it easy. So your work, your effort in premarital pursuits is to learn how to communicate with this person. How you were with somebody else doesn't really matter. How successful or unsuccessful that was doesn't really matter because this is the one that you're with or want to be with. So the goal then is to make it easy for people to talk to you. How do you do that? By being a great listener. That's listening on three dimensions, by the way. And also by how you respond. That's the rules of engagement. If you break these rules that I'm giving you over the next several weeks, then you're going to make it difficult for people to talk to you. If my wife blows up and blows a gasket over a crystal glass that I broke, accidentally that meant a lot to her then i'm certainly not going to tell her what i you know something came up and i did this with the money or somebody came up and i i i, I said this to this girl that that uh, i grew up with at school you know we kissed like you know like they do on tv Ooh, it's quiet in this church i'm rolling my sleeves up right now there's a show out i don't remember what the name of it. i think it's like judge lola or somebody i like to watch tv just to kind of empty my mind and and uh, relax. And on this episode, this guy who is interested in this lady he's dating, to the point, I mean, he's heads over heels for her, and they plan to get married, but somehow or another, he ended up in a situation where his old girlfriend, uh, they were talking about something in a, in a private place, and somehow they ended up kissing each other. Oh, it's quiet in church, and I'm talking about the TV show. Well, they end up kissing each other. Man, when she found out about it, oh, she blew a gasket over from so-and-so from so Listen, I want to be able to talk to my wife about anything, even mistakes that I make. And so how we respond and how we listen determines that capacity. If she blows a gasket over something in this way, 
then I'm going to be very reserved to share something that I need her help on. Amen. I appreciate you all listening so well today. Here's the truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, I pray all of you receive this in your heart. In the King James Version of the Bible, God says to us that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. You must not strive. Strife can't be just the, the way that you communicate. That's just how I am. You know, I just like to, you know, if that's the way I feel, then I'm just going to tell you how I feel. And, you know, I just would expect that, you you know, we're supposed to be in this together. And if this is just how I am, then I just would hope that you would think that you would, you know, you know, because you, you and then now, you know, you know, Lord, help me, Jesus. Right. <laughs> right. No. But what does the Bible say about how we handle ourselves? The servant of the Lord, you and I, as Christians, must not strive. My teacher in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, says that strife is the manifest presence of the devil. When you allow words to come out of you in a strenuous effort with someone, you are giving place to the devil to use your words or allow words to be used to hurt. At the root of this is that. In Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 9 it says, Better it is to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Can I preach the Bible today? Think about it. This, they got a really nice house. Solomon, who has a good understanding about male and female relationships, he said to his son that it is better for a guy to be up on the roof of the house than to be in a house that's shared with a contentious woman. Now, I've already indicated it goes both ways. That is men. I've got to watch this for me. Because I'm kind of chatty, right? As a pastor, I, you know, I'm a communicator. I talk. And so, you know, it may not be every man's baseline to, you know, be so, you know, verbal or communicative. Uh, it is with me. And so I, as a man, have to watch being contentious. And I also want to say that the scripture deals with this issue as it relates to women, too. But it's not one or the other. So when we hear this verse, we can flip the script that it's better for a woman to be at the shopping mall than to be at home with a contentious man. Oh, y'all not going to help me then. That's all right. I got another verse. Verse number 19 says, better it is to dwell in the on the golf course than with a contentious and angry woman. I knew I wasn't getting any amens. Again, I flipped the script. And I told my wife, I said, baby, because, again, I've counseled for so many years. I understand where the rubber meets the road is in this area of communication. We promised each other before we got married that we would not shut down. I know me, and if I get to the point where I'm shut down on something, I'm done. And she knows her, and she told me before we got married. She knows her, that the way she is, if she gets to a certain place with people, that she will shut down. And then we made a pact, a vow, 
that we honor even to this day, that we will not shut down. Doesn't matter what happens. We will not. I told her, I said, if you, if you, if you see that I'm not hanging around the house much, <laughs> if, you, if you see me sitting out in the garage for no good reason, you ever wonder why God's got so many, you know, you go down the street, folks just out there in the garage. It's 100 degrees and he's sitting out there with the fan on. But that's what, that's what Solomon said, that it is better. It is, you know, he said to be in the corner of the, the corner. Lord, help us. Now, let me point this out because this is very indicative of where we're headed. Can I have a little extra time today? Thank you, Sister Jenny. Amen. Now, notice that whether male or female, that the person is not just contentious, but they're also angry. That means something happened. And it might be for good reason that he or she might be angry about something that happened with the money, something that happened with the kids, something that happened intimately or is not happening intimately. And that person may be legitimately angry. But when it turns contentious, it goes in a wrong direction. Just a couple more. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24, it says it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious man or woman. I mean, that's kind of weird. This, it's got that big old house. Even the roof is pretty big. But he's sitting up in the corner, all messed up in the mind. Oh, y'all got to help me. Just hold up in the corner of the roof because of what's going on and vice versa. Last verse. I know, woo, man, I'm getting in trouble today. <laughs> Last verse on this subject. I told you there's six words on contentious. 27.17 says, a continual dropping on a very rainy day and a contentious man or woman are alike. Y'all know what it's like to have a lot of rain? Especially to have that thing hitting the gutter, drop, 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 drop. He following her from one room to another. No, 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 we got to talk about this. No, I don't want you to say. No, I don't want to tell you. You take it. <laughs> he said to man, this is the same thing. To hear that nagging little drop, 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 drop is the same with a person who's contentious, male or female. Say it out loud. Don't be that person. All right. So one of the tools God has given us to keep us from being contentious is the rules of engagement in communication. If you play by these rules, you will be effective in communication. So if you've been that way, if you've been that kind, if you've been that type, you can change. You can become effective in communication, but you've got to have the tools in order to do it. The number one tool is listen on three dimensions. I'm going to give you rules of engagement, and then I'm going to give you communication with, with love and respect, and then we'll go on to something else. Amen? But let me deal with rule number two today. One of the tools that God has given us to keep us from being that person is the rules of engagement and communication. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25 and 26, it says, Therefore, put in away line, let each one speak truth with his neighbor, with his spouse, with his brother, with his friend, with his parent, with, with, the, with, with the people in their lives, their, their employees, their employers. For we are members, we're connected, we're in this together. And then he says, be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So if you, don't, if you want to stop being contentious, if you want to make it easy for people to talk to you, you've got to follow these rules. And the number one rule is stop lying and tell the truth. We dealt with that. Go back and listen to it. Get good at it, okay? But number two, here's rule number two. If you choose anger, don't sin. If you choose, this is a rule. If we're going to have a conversation about it, if you get angry, don't let that anger cause you to sin. So let's say you've got a legitimate reason for being upset at this dude, at your child, at your parent, or whatever the case may be. Then follow the rules. You, if you choose, somebody say, if you choose, the first thing that tells me is that anger is a choice. You do not have to have an anger problem. You choose to have an anger problem. Well, that's just how I grew up. No, anger is a choice. You can choose to be angry about it or not. You don't have anger is an emotion. It's a choice. Say it out loud. It's a choice. I'm not going to stay there long. You can meditate on it. The second thing this tells me is that it's not a sin to be angry. If you kiss that girl or, you know, such, such, you, she ought to be angry. Or I, Come on, somebody. There may be reasons why. Legitimate reason. You spent that money and you said that we were going to do something else with it. And I'm angry about it. And that's okay. God gives you a green light that if you choose to be angry, he said, be angry, but don't sin. I'm drawing the line. That means you need to walk a very thin line to make sure that you don't let your anger cause you to say something or cause you to do something that's sinful in the eyes of God. So if you choose, walk the thin line. The primary, the third thing I see from this is the primary way we sin as a result of anger is with our words. And then it's with our actions. You did something and I'm angry about it, but now I'm, I'm, I'm speaking words out of my mouth. Some things I really don't really mean, but I said it out of anger. Who am I preaching to? I know you can't say amen real big today. Amen. Um, But who am I speaking to today? So don't let your anger about the situation cause you to say the wrong things. This is a rule. Certainly you have a right to be angry. They're not doing right. They're not even communicating the right way. And it ought to be this person that I'm married to. Should be open and truthful and honest. And I'm angry about it. That might even be your truth that, you know, I'm angry about what you did. But let's talk about it. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, King James Version, it says that a soft answer turns away anger, but grievous words stir up anger. Grievous words. Grievous words. A soft answer turns away my wrath. This goes both ways because if you've done something and caused somebody else to be angry, 
and you become defensive and contentious about it, then now your words are grievous and you're stirring up the anger in them. Whereas the Bible says that a soft answer could actually turn away wrath, turn away anger. Be calm. If you're yelling, oh, man, uh, my wife and I, we do not yell at each other. We do not argue. And it's been that way for six years. And I'm looking forward to, for it to be that way for the rest of our lives. We know better, so we should do better. Are there times where we need to have a conversation? Yeah. We even got safe words. <laughs> that if I need a minute or if she needs a minute. But we're going to communicate about it. We're not going to fight about it. I'm not going to hurt her over something that I'm hurt about. I love her. Amen. And I challenge you in the same way. A soft answer turns away anger. That's a communication skill. Grievous words serve anger. Um, There's another scripture. Because just being quiet doesn't always work. Uh, And I'm not talking about you need to be loud, but you can be very nasty and be quiet. I learned this verse of scripture for the first time just in April of this year. I was in Phoenix, visited another church, and this was one of the verses. The guy had a picture, like I have a background, had the picture of an x-ray of an arm where you could see a bone and it was broken. You probably would really enjoy this. And then he superimposed a feather as if the feather Broke the bone. And the scripture that he used was Proverbs 25, 15 in the King James. It says, by long forbearing is a prince persuaded and a soft tongue breaks the bone. So I'm not just saying that, you know, being soft spoken is the solution in an angry situation. Because you could be very soft spoken and hurt somebody deeply. Let me get ready to close with this. In verse, uh, the fourth thing I see from this, another way we sin as a result of choosing anger is to carry it from one day into the next. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, this is a rule of engagement. Now, There are six rules of engagement. I hope I can speed up, you know, come back next week. We'll make some progress one way or another. But I'm only on rule number two. And in Ephesians 4.26, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. It is a sin for you to carry anger from one day into the next. From one week into the next, from one month into the next, from one year after year after year, and you are still angry with me about what I did all those years ago. And God said, that's not right. I've given you instructions in my word, saith the Lord, concerning forgiveness. Do you have a right to be angry about that situation? Yeah. If you choose to be angry, but you got 24 hours to get rid of the anger, not to have the conversation. 
Christian folks mess this verse. Man, Christian folks, if you grew up in church like me, y'all staying up. No, we can't go to sleep. And we're going to talk this through. And, you know, it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. you got to get up to go to work. No, I'm angry. And the Bible said, you know, so no, that is not the rule. It's for the individual who is upset. you got a time clock on this. And by the next day, you need to get rid of the anger. Forgive whatever happened and then have the conversation because there's some consequences that we need to deal with. We, we need to talk about some things, but it's not going to be out of anger. And I'm not going to be carrying this all my life. There are rules that God has given us in his word on how to do life, how to do marriage, how to do church, how to do relationships. My exhortation to you is follow the rules. I'm just out of time. I pray that you got something good. Let's keep going. Hopefully I can make some better progress through these rules and we'll be on in a better way. Amen. If I could have every head about and every eye closed in prayer. And maybe you're here today and you're still angry about a situation or circumstance. Now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. Don't carry it any further. Don't carry it. Leave it at the altar today. I want you to pray this out loud. I want everybody to pray it so we bring no attention to no one in particular. But if this is you and you've got anger in your heart about something that somebody did to you, something that somebody said to you, something that happened, how a person has been treating you, how they've been talking to you, belittling you, disregarding you, disrespecting you. If that's you, today is the day to get the anger out of your heart so that you can be in a better place to have the conversation. Everybody pray this out loud. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive this message today. And I'm asking you to help me be a more effective communicator. Teach me to listen on three dimensions and to follow the rules you outlined in Ephesians chapter 4. I decide today to release my anger from the past over that situation you know lord how it touched me and how it hurt me but from this day forward i choose not to be angry about it help me to have the conversation if need be thank you father for helping me in jesus name amen Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. We've already prayed for uh, our right relationship with the Lord. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you're online and watching, you don't know the Lord. uh, Come on. Jesus died for your sins and you can make heaven your home. Just pray this out loud before we dismiss. If that's you online or even in person and you don't know the Lord and you want to be born again, pray this out loud. Say, Father in heaven, I pray to you today to give you my life. I do believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. They put him in a grave, but I believe you raised him from the dead. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent for everything I've done. And I accept your offer of forgiveness. Therefore, Father, according to your word, I receive forgiveness. Heaven is now my home. I'm born again. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm excited. I'm telling you, God's doing some great things.
For some of you that are here and online that are unmarried, God's preparing you for your marriage. This was some of the missing links and readiness that you need in order to be a wife to a husband or a husband to a wife in a family. Amen. I'm so excited about what the future has. I encourage you to come back. Pray for me this week. I'll be receiving words, you know. Uh, someone asked me the other day, how is it that you just give and give and, and are there for people and pray and pray and so forth? You minister several times a week. It's because I stay fed. I stay fed. I mean, I was just at a visionary conference two two weeks ago. And I'll be in this conference on my birthday. Listen, church starts tomorrow at 930. They have a 1030 session that lets out a little after 12. We come back at 1 and then another service at 2.30, so they're just basically back-to-back. And then they break for dinner, and they come back at 7 for another two-hour, three-hour service. Amen? That's five services a day for five days. I'm going to come back like, whoo! <laughs> you know, I preach every Sunday, but the preacher needs to have preaching too. So I'll sit down, and in one week, I'll get like three or four months worth of church. Even though I, I, I go to church online every week. Amen. So pray for me this week. My birthday's on Tuesday. Shoot me a text message. Holla at your boy. That ain't me. I don't talk like that. But <laughs> Amen. Uh, what else can we say? Oh, don't forget Wednesday. I'm not preaching. Uh, next Sunday, you don't want to miss what God has for us. And I love you all dearly. I thank God for you. It's my honor to share with you words of life. Hold up one hand towards heaven. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May he lift up his countenance unto you and be a shield around you everywhere you go. Be blessed, you and your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.